0: The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, would you fall afresh in us as we gather, we your people, as we say, blessed be your name, as we focus, not on ourselves, but on you. Our Father, our best friend, our rescuer, our shepherd, our redeemer, the bookends of humanity, we stand in this moment and focus on you, blessed be your name. Your priorities we put before ours. Your house we build. And the Spirit of God, we invite you as we continue through our word to come and shape us in challenges. To come and meet each of us where we are. To fill us up. To shake off the dust of complacency that we so often get. Coming to church week in, week out. At Father, today our expectations will be blown away as we think about you. Lord today, would we get a glimpse of you? Would we see you in a fresh way? That Father, we'd become desperate for you. That today each of us would choose to pursue you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Take a couple of seconds. Maybe say hello to someone next to you. So how's your week been? Good to see you. Good morning. Good morning. Massive welcome to, uh, I can see just some uh, familiar faces and some new faces. It's really good to have you at Teaside Vineyard Church this morning. So good. For the last three weeks, just to bring you up to speed, we've been looking at this theme of um, prioritising God in our worship and our praise uh, and often uh, in the start of January we kind of said and we, I think we had agreed that lots of us rush into the new year with um, new year's resolutions here's what I'm going to change about my life this year and we thought hang on a second before we do all of that good stuff let's allow ourselves to stop and focus on God and to say you this year are my priority and let the other stuff come from that So we kind of finished that last week, but as we kind of, I suppose the last mini pause before we launch into a full on year of activities, busyness, schedules, uh, full calendars, you name it, Um, I wanted to talk this morning, just to kind of cap the series off really, and there's been some really good messages, last week was really good, Uh, Nathan and Carson spoke just amazingly well, Uh, and I wanted to talk this morning on True North, this idea of um, abiding in God, finding home in God. And um, I'm not sure if you've heard the expression of finding true north, but it's almost like this image of a compass which is behind me. Next slide please. And this idea of um, how do we know which direction our lives are going in? How do we know when we are in sync and we are totally where we should be? Ever get that feeling or those thoughts of... What's my life uh, like at the moment? It seems really busy. It seems crazy. I wasn't expecting X, Y, and Z. I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, I have no idea what's around the corner. And suddenly, before we get into the throes of life, and uh, we kind of think, actually, there's quite a lot to deal with. And just this idea of stopping and thinking, hang on a second. What is my true north? And you probably think it's a strange question this morning. What is true north? But I want to just go through it. Uh, with us, if you'd allow me, um, because actually, I think we'd all agree, if we had a conversation, because we're British, we usually talk about three or four things, one of them guaranteed is always the weather. standard, yeah, true, isn't it, oh, oh, this weather today, it's just that wind out there, why do we do it, but we do it, uh, and then if we talk a bit more, and we like each other, we might talk for another one or two minutes, and then, how's, how's life, you know, what's kind of going on, and you'll say the words to me, good, but I am Busy. Is it true? Are you all busy? Give me some, yeah. You're very busy. Definitely busy. See, you're feeling it this morning. Um, This idea of being busy, guarantee it. First, you'll notice this week talking to people. Just have a little test, have a little smile on your face when it happens. Hey, how's it going, Janet? Yeah, it's good. How's life? Oh, really good. Just dead busy. Guarantee it'll happen. This idea of busyness, what does it mean? Actually, busyness in the kingdom of God and in our, um, our own kind of spiritual walks doesn't always equate to effectiveness. Do you agree with that? And it's almost like it's weird how the busier we are, the more we think we're doing or, or the, the more kind of um, adult we feel. But actually, the busier we are doesn't always mean that we're in a healthy place. Perhaps busyness is an indicator of, I'm tired, Something needs to stop. And there's that whole saying of uh, pressure busts a pipe. You know, the, the, the busy we are and the more we cry, in, actually, something's got to give. Jesus models so often, talking to people, this rhythm of your soul is precious. You having a healthy relationship with Jesus is far more important than any full calendar. And it's this idea of actually Jesus... As I think about my year coming, as I think about all of the pressures, all that's around the corner, it's not about the doing stuff. It's about the being. So Jesus, before I launch into this year, I want to just focus and look at the indicators of my life. the, The regular rhythms of study and journeying and fellowship and worship and prayer. These factors that keep our relationship with Jesus and us super healthy. And I think we've been mis-sold a lie. So when we say we're busy, it usually means we're successful. Oh, I'm dead busy, loads on, It's just like 10 plates spinning. You're like, just honestly, it's hectic, Vincent, hectic. And you're like, man, Elijah's like just really successful, he's doing really well. Like, wow, ten, 10 plates spinning? Like, he's got loads going on. But actually, I think we're mis-sold a lie. It's this idea of when we say we're really busy, I think there's some, some warning signs. So let's just take a pause this morning. Let's focus on... The real, true north. What's the priorities in our lives that indicate healthiness and holiness over busyness and big bangs? And then, for those who have been Christians a while, would you say this is true as well? That the the longer we kind of go and journey with Jesus... The busier we are for Him, so I'm cleaning church, I'm like seeing loads of people midweek, I've got my worship music on, I'm busy, busy, busy. That actually we think the busier we are for God, the more it pleases Him. And that's a lie as well. So, you know, we, we can't do good works that suddenly get us great favour with God because He loves us as we are. It's not about us earning rewards, it's about us just being. So I just want to break down this kind of idea that if you're super busy, it means you're super effective. And you might be, and that's amazing. But actually, the business and the, and the kingdom business doesn't mean you exhausting yourself. It doesn't mean you've been flat out and, and being ratty and no energy. Actually, it's these moments of pause, these moments of refreshment. So I've got a question for you this morning. If you looked at your finances... If you looked at your relationships, if we looked at our family time, if we looked at our devotion time, our work schedule, do you feel like you're walking blindly in any of those areas? And when I ask that question, I mean this idea of, if this is true north, and this is the direction I'm supposed to be going in, I feel like I could be anywhere on the map right now. I'm just kind of, I'm playing it by ear. I don't really feel like it's all together. And then we get this idea in Psalm 91, which I want to argue is a compass passage. It's one of these great passages in the Bible where we read it and think, that's what points to true north. That clears up all of the haze, all of the fuzz, and gives us a real focus as to where we should be going. So I want us to jump into Psalm 91 this morning. Psalm 91 uh, was written by Moses, we think. We think, and we say that because it's in similar wording to uh, this, those in Exodus, the same kind of um, rhythm of words and same uh, descriptive patterns. And Psalm ninety-one is has got three layers to it. Hands up if you like food. Yeah, not all of us this morning. That's okay. But I love food. I love food. I love a healthy burger. No cheese. No mayo. Bit of salad, grilled chicken, I'm happy. I know, it's sad. You probably think, yeah, of all the things I've said, that's what's turned faces. I know, uh, I'm not. Anyway, Psalm 91 has got three layers to it. The bottom layer, I want you to imagine, just as a visual aid, as, as a bread bun. It's the bottom layer of the bread bun. Nothing's on it yet, don't get too excited, but it's there, ready to be laid, right? So in your mind, you can put whatever you want in the middle. But Psalm 91 starts with this layer of truth, so it's there, and it says this. Check these words out; they're just amazing. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells—I love that word, dwell. I'm a total geek when it comes to words. I just—I like kind of researching words. What do they mean? Where does it come from? I Just—I just love it. And actually, when we look at the word dwell, the technical meaning—check this out—means obviously finding home, a slight regular pause in the motion of a machine. A slight regular pause in the motion of a machine. I just love that because it almost speaks of this this rhythm of just resting in the motion of the machine of our lives and dwelling, and dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. I love it. Is it just me this morning? I just like that word. Then it says this, I will say to the Lord... My refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust. And we start, we start with this real layer of truth. This, just think about those words. They're solid. They're meaty. They are just, they're just great. You can live your life and your week on those words alone. The truth of God. The security of God. The nourishment he brings just by resting in him. And it rests more in God. Do you? I love it. And then we get onto the real stuff. Now you can fill this with whatever rubbish you want. This is the bit where you can go crazy, deep fried, uh, whatever you want. Dodge the salad or you can put the salad in. You can go veggie in the middle if you want. You can do whatever you like in this middle section. So I like to think of this middle section as just life. So we've got the foundation. And then Moses chucks in these few verses that I think probably sum up you and I. It's the bit where we flap about at life. It's the bit where we try and guess what's around the corner. These are the bits where we are uncertain about what's to come. And we're writing everything down thinking these are the things that could happen. So Moses kind of pens these thoughts. And for some of them we're thinking, no, I don't face that. But we can contextualise them. And this is what he says. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. That's his wings. And under his wings, you will find refuge. So he's still kind of adding this layer of goodness. And he gets on to the bad stuff in a second. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. What's a buckler? Who knows what a buckler is? Rampart. Perfect. What's one of those? Strong wall. Defenses. Great, yeah. Um... And then it says this You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Who's fearful of destruction at noonday this week? I mean, it kind of seems a bit over the top, doesn't it? This hyperbolic, exagger- exaggerating language. But we kind of get the image, you know, this is a guy who's brought people uh, through wilderness. This is a guy who's seen death. This is a guy who's been plagued uh, by diseases uh, within his own people. You know, he can visualize the things that can come against him. Then he says this, A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. So he's kind of just, as I said, he's, he's writing down all of the things that can come against us. Let's pause for a second. Focusing on true north, sometimes in life, we feel like things just line up, don't we? And we're like, wow, things have just worked out. Like, that was great, amazing. And then other times we're thinking, if those things just managed to come together, if we could just make it happen, I'd feel great. So Moses is kind of walking us through this this idea of, Of When we come off true north, the things that can throw us and come against us. And then we add this third layer, the brioche bun. We add the top bit, where again Moses just adds this layer of truth. So we start with truth, the bit in the middle is what can come against us, then he adds this truth again. And he says this, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, and no plague come near your tent. For he will command, check this out, for he will command his angels concerning to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Hang on a second. I'm sure somebody else quoted that in the New Testament. Who was it? It was Jesus. And I just, I love the fact that Jesus knew scripture. I love the fact that Jesus went back to scripture against the devil. He actually went back to this writing to use, because he knows there's power in it. So I just want to highlight there's power in these words, guys. If Jesus quoted them to fight Satan, we've got to take comfort from these words. So Jesus kind of uses um, in his conversation with the devil, and for those who don't know the story, the devil appears to Jesus. And he's like, hey, Jesus, uh, if you just worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms in the world. So Jesus uses scripture. And uh, he's like, you know, if you jump off there, off the cliff, Jesus, don't worry, no harm will come to you. So Jesus, again, just quotes scripture, this verse here. And then, obviously, Jesus hasn't eaten for a while, so the devil tries to tempt him with food and real physical stuff. And again, Jesus uses scripture. So Jesus knows there's such power in the words of Moses for his life that he uses them to fight the devil. And it's in Luke 4 he uses those words. And then these words are added, You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And I just thought it was really interesting how in Scripture, again, the devil is referenced as a lion who roams around to to destroy and to to devour us. And then also as a serpent. And just again, this imagery, Jesus knows the power in the words when he's saying, actually, when we live our lives in God and we focus on the true north, we'll have victory. Because he holds fast to me in love. And this last bit here is almost like a response from God. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. This is God speaking to you and I. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I love that. He wants to live a long time. I mean, you know, it's just all in there. We've got to trust scripture, right? I don't know the the, the theology of of when we focus on Jesus, disease doesn't come against us. Because we know that as Christ followers, we also live in this world. Things come against us. But I think beyond the things that can tarnish the body is this hope and this pointing towards a true north. It's truth for our lives. Which is incredible. Deep truth that says... Under the currents of life, there's a steady truth that holds us fast. So true north, understanding what that brings. And I thought of, I had this image of a guy in a field holding a compass. Just kind of trying to work out where he was going or she was going. And this idea of what does a compass bring? What does a focus on true north bring to our lives? And I thought of three quick things I want to share. Clearly a compass brings direction. Do you need direction today? Do you need direction today? And this whole piece of scripture says to us that we can trust in the direction of our loving God. That we, this year, as we endeavour and we go after all that we want to do, before we do it, can say, God, I trust in the direction that you want to take me. That you want to take me, not I want to take I. God, I'm giving my life to you. Knowing our true north brings focus. So often I talk to friends or people at work, and I'm like, hey, you know, kind of tell me about your life. What's going on? Five years, if I ask that question, what's happening in five years? Where do you want to be in five years? And some of you in here are like, easy, I can give you ten years. Here we go. Boom, 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 boom. For others are like, um, um, mm, uh, Next week, like, um, I think I've got a couple of things on. and like, Some of us really struggle with this sense of direction, like what's going on. I always argue there's two types of people in this room. There's one that knows everything that's going to happen next week because it's in your diary. The others are like, diary? What is a diary? I haven't got a clue. And both types just frustrate each other. But God brings us together and there's different gifts. But it's this idea, it's this theme of... There should be a focus for your life. When we follow Jesus and we make him a priority, when we spend time with him, we have a real focus for our lives. That focus, uh, first and foremost, is to worship him. That's why this year we thought, let's do a series. Let's start by saying, before everything else kicks off, we want to worship you. We want to just say, this year, everything that happens in my life, God, would you bless as we worship you. As, we bring, as Jesus brings focus to our lives, as we worship him, we also get passionate about what he gets passionate about. He's passionate about a couple of things. He's passionate about you, your mates, your family, uh, their mates, and their friends. It just goes on and on and on. And he loves the local church. He calls this place his bride. He has this picture of, of the bride and the bridegroom, of, of marrying uh, this, this blemished bride who he wants to make whole and perfect. And Jesus died so that we could meet him face to face without feeling guilty and tarnished and dirty and be whole and pure. Where he's bright, it's this beautiful relationship and romance. So when we worship him and live for him, it brings a focus. Is that making sense to anybody? Yeah. And for those who are thinking, I haven't got a focus. I'd love a focus. I want to just say a few uh, simple words at the end and pray and invite Jesus into our lives. He will bring the focus. And then, as we get a focus, we develop a purpose. We begin to know who we are, what's in us, and what that means for our lives. Jesus said in John fourteen six. We've heard these words so many times, but allow yourselves, like that song from who is that famous woman who sits on that big wrecking ball thing and who is it? We all got an image right now. I'll sing it for you if you want. It came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, you, you know it, you're just teasing me. Allow, the, allow this wrecking ball to smash through your, um, your walls of same old this morning. Allow these words just to permeate in our lives and our souls. Jesus said this, pointing towards true north himself. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Lord, as we think on those words this morning, as we think about finding true north this morning, Lord, I want to pray for anyone in this church today who feels without direction, who feels without purpose, who feels their life is just all over the place, or perhaps it's all but what is lacking you. Jesus, as we launch into all that this year brings, all that our lives bring, Father, we'd be stupid to do it without you. So Jesus, we focus on you. We think about, in the New Testament, time and time again, where you just met people and encountered people face to face. And so often, transformation was brought. And Jesus, the same is true this morning for all of us. That you want to meet with me. Me. Not the person to my left or to my right. You want to meet with me. You extend an invitation to come and journey in life through you. We thank you for those words in Psalm 91. For that picture of starting our lives in truth. Knowing that whatever comes, your truth, your presence, is more than enough. Perhaps there's some people here this morning, and you know this message has just been for you. You felt the tap just on your heart, thinking, who's told him about my life? Who told him that? Church, let's be vulnerable this morning. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed, no one's looking, but perhaps there's a real symbolic, Jesus, I'm waiting, I'm ready, I'm receiving. Just put your hands out in front of you. This picture of surrender, of of receiving. Jesus, I've tried to do it my own way. I've tried and I've failed. In this moment, I surrender to you. Let's just wait a moment. I get the feeling that there's someone who wants to respond to Jesus this morning. Jesus said to you this morning, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Is there someone here this morning who wants to invite Jesus into their heart to lead their lives, to bring power, to bring life? If that's you, I can see, eyes are closed. Would you raise a hand? We want to pray for you. Incredible. Yeah. Great. Yeah, Lord, you see the hands. Thank you, Jesus, that you've called us this morning. Thank you that we're here by no accident. And Lord, we, we surrender. And we invite you to come and live in our hearts, to lead us. We tried it our own way. We've, we've messed up. But Jesus, we know that you died for us so that we could live with you forever. Jesus, thank you for those hands this morning. Thank you for those hearts who responded. Would you fill them? Would you lead them? Would you take their lives this week and transform All that's going on. Incredible. Thank you, Jesus. And then, lastly, this is for us, the church. Can I encourage us to make His plans ours, to pursue His presence over our priorities? That right now, perhaps you want to declare it so the roof shakes or say it in the quietness of your heart, but Jesus, this moment right now, I choose to do it with you. That you would lead and bless and ordain the days to come. Use me as a living sacrifice to bring you glory, to transform my community, to change this world. And if you said that prayer, this land will never be the same again. Jesus, will you help us? Would you lead us? In your name we pray. Amen. Can we make some noise? We had some people respond to Jesus this morning, genuinely. That's incredible. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to worship now. Um, let's stand where we are. Let's raise the roof for that truth that he has got our lives. For all that's just been said, that Psalm 91. Let us come and worship him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.